You can learn from other people's failures or your own. I'd rather learn from other people's failures than my own because it's just easier. But failure is also normal. I think people think failure is bad. It's not. Failure just means that you're pushing your limits. You're listening to the Expertish Podcast. Be sure to head over to iTunes or Spotify and tell Jay what you thought about this episode. Expertish is where you can learn how to invest from those who have, those who are, and have some fun along the way. Are you ready to start? All right, welcome everybody. Today we're going to be talking with actually uh, someone who has become a financial mentor for me that I was connected with from another real estate mentor. And Rocky, thanks for being on today. Talk to us a little bit. Thanks so much for having me here, Che. I'm excited to continue the conversations we always have. <laughs> awesome, awesome. Me too. Me too. I think a lot of people can gain some stuff from this. Before we start, Rocky, if you could just give a little bit of background about yourself and how you came to this side of your business. So I'm an immigrant to the United States. My parents brought me here when I was a little kid and we started off on the wrong side of the tracks because they were only allowed to bring $25 in cash to the United States when they immigrated. And they also came over at the, around the same time as a lot of their friends did. And they very quickly moved up the economic ladder. And so I got to watch this as a kid as to how people build wealth. How do you create the American dream? And what is it that you're supposed to do? And the parents would always get together and they would talk about life in America. They would talk about money. They would have open and honest conversations. And I never realized that that's not what everybody did. Most people don't talk about money. They don't share the knowledge. And so in that sense, I guess I was lucky. And then as a kid, I just, I was always told that I would be successful and, you know, the world is, is yours to essentially conquer. I don't know where it came from, but I, I knew I wanted to be a multimillionaire as a kid. I was like, I'm going to be a millionaire. And so I would always read the Wall Street Journal, read articles, try and figure out a lot of that stuff. And so once I got out of college, I literally automated all my savings and I set up systems to automatically put money away. And then every year or every couple months, I'm always running the calculations. How far am I from my goal? How long will it take me? What do I need to do to kind of juice it to get there a little bit faster? And so that's essentially what created success for me. And then later on in life, I knew that, hey, you know, I've hit my financial goals, but I'm still not thrilled with life. Like there's a lot missing. And so that kind of led me on another journey of what do I really want to do? How can I give back? And what does a lifestyle retirement plan look for me? And part of that was financial coaching and helping people with money. And then the last pivot was when I learned about Profit First and understood that most business owners are not looking at their financials. I was shocked. And I was like, hey, those are people I can help and people who need help. And that was kind of where the market fit came in. And so that was my last pivot. And that's what I've been doing is just helping business owners be profitable and enjoy the fruits of their labor. Right on. And that's originally how I got connected to you. Uh, actually, Leon Barnes, who was on one of our episodes earlier, he had given me your information and I reached out due to some conversations that we had had. Initially, really just focusing towards the business side, you know, in my real estate business of I wanted to have a better understanding and better grasp or any grasp of where some of that expenditure goes and, you know, how to make it more efficient without giving up quality of the service, you know, any of those type things. And what surprised me a little bit was, although we, yeah, we talked about that a little bit on, our, on kind of the intro call, one of the first things you asked me when we had our first, like, you know, right, kind of start to dig in call was how much I thought I needed to live the life I wanted to live. And I think that that was a, that impacted me a little bit right off the bat was because my goals weren't really at the time on my personal side driven by, I would say really the lifestyle that I wanted to live or that I was already living or any of those things. It was kind of just numbers I had pulled up of like, oh, that should work. So I guess I'd say a lot of times when we start looking at looking at things, we think, oh, I need this, I need this, I need this. And in a sense, you took it backwards with me of like, why do I need more? You know, do you love your business? Or are you doing it because you feel you need to because you don't? And that kind of hit me hard where I'm like, 
Well, that's a good point too, because like you're saying, you know, you grew up in your work and you work hard and you continue going, but at what point do you realize enough's enough or, you know, and through our conversation, honestly, like I'm enjoying building this business, I'm enjoying it. But had I not been, that would have hit me pretty hard of like, what am I doing? You know, why am I doing it? Right. Do you see that quite often? I do quite. So I think there's a couple of things that are that are coming out from that. Number one, a lot of times people just throw out this number like I did. I want to be a millionaire. Mm -hmm. And but I didn't really realize what that meant and the lifestyle that would give me. And part of that was I I kept doubling my goalposts because it was like, (laughs) well, if I'm a millionaire, how much money do I really get? to earn off of that million dollars. And if you're just investing it, there's the 4% rule, which says you can probably pull 4% out and it will last you a lifetime. Right. Well, that's $40,000 a year. I can't live on 40 grand a year. Right. (laughs) Right. So now it's how much do I really need to spend to live? And so once you figure that out, then you can figure out you're big or not. And then the other thing is, I think a lot of times people just throw this big number out. You know, I want to own a hundred homes. I I want $10 million, but they don't think about what is that really going to give them? And they don't think about what they have to give up to get it. Right. Because if you expect that you're going to have to give up something and it's a lot more fun with when you're giving up is something that you enjoy. So you like real estate and so you enjoy doing what you do. So it's not like you're really giving up as much as somebody who might hate real estate. You've got to figure out the right fit for you. And that just takes the time to think through those processes. Right. Yeah. In some ways, it forces you to rethink what success is to you. Mm-hmm. It is. And I think that's the biggest question. And that's the question nobody answers. Right. What does success mean to me? Most people are told to do something, get on a track. Most of you guys are military, right? You're told where to go, when to go, how to go. Right. You don't get to think, what do I really want in life? Mm -hmm. And what does my life look like when I have ultimate control? Right. No, that's, that's huge. I know uh, just uh, those couple conversations we've had, had, had me uh, rethinking some of what I was doing, you know, and uh, some things that I think are, I'm on the right path of, because I do enjoy a lot of this and that also some things that I probably need to fine tune or change just to make sure I'm not wasting. Essentially, when it comes down to me now is not wasting time. Mm-hmm. This business is very time intensive. But like you said, if I'm enjoying parts of it, it's great. But if I can start shaving away the parts I don't enjoy, then I think that's more important than just the extra cash coming in or not coming in. Another thing that's come up on two, uh, at least two other episodes with some of the people we're interviewing and talking with is how we've realized the more that we've had the opportunity to purchase or own or do certain things that we earlier on in life couldn't wait to get to, or we saw these big goals, the less we actually care about them once you get there. And sometimes the goal is more the goal than it is of like really what you're getting, like whether it's fancy cars or or bigger houses or something like that. When things get within your reach, sometimes you realize that that wasn't the real goal. No, and I went through that myself. I think sometime probably maybe the early 40s or mid 40s, I realized that all the stuff I have creates obligations, right? If you, when you have the fancy car, now there's an obligation, it's expensive to repair. You, you're always worried somebody's gonna hit it when you park it in a parking lot. And within two years, there's a new model. Yeah. And now you're still stuck paying for the old model that now all of a sudden it's like, well, this isn't so nice anymore. The payment hasn't changed right? and you're stuck now. Oh, well, do I need to, do I need to upgrade? And you're constantly on that hamster wheel. We actually got to a point in our time. We're like, we have too much stuff in our house. We have too many things. We paid people to just come take everything out, organize it. And then we said, this is what we want to keep. And they took everything else away. And so it kind of, decluttering the house and and making life a little bit simpler. I I think that's a big part of it. And and we could buy a bigger house, but I'm like, it's just more obligations, more to clean, more to repair. And then now I need to work harder to pay for all of that. Right. You you have to know when is enough. And I think that's a big thing is is people are now learning to say enough. I don't need that. It's not going to make me happy. And I think that's a big aha. Yeah. And I feel like the more space you have, you're going to eventually fill it up. 
Mm-hmm. You know, that that's for sure. Like if the more rooms you have, you'll find something to put in them. So I absolutely agree with that. I've been trying to do the same. Every time I move, I try to cut more and more as opposed to add stuff. So I think that's a big one. What would be something or like the biggest point you would make to someone, let's say younger, let's say people in their like 20s, maybe early 30s right now, who are starting to pay attention to kind of that side of the finances of like choosing their goals or evaluating their goals? So the first thing is you have to figure out what you want, and then we can appropriately put money away for that. The problem is most people don't think about what they want. They just ask for basic financial advice. You put money into a retirement account, and that's good and wonderful. But what if you're going to get out of the military early, right? I don't know. What's the average age a lot of the guys retire out at? Early 50s or? Oh, retire. Uh, If you do the full time, I would say average is going to be early 40s. Early 40s. So, and when does your pension kick in? Uh, at the 20 years. So, so that's, I'd say like, you know, the 42, 44 age frame is probably a, a big one as far as the retirement from there. And so here's the key, save up cash outside of a retirement plan so that when you're 42, 44, you have money that's spendable because if it's in an IRA or a 401k or some other type of retirement plan that you don't have access to the funds, now you're stuck paying major penalties for it. So I think the thing is making a decision up front. What am I going to do? Or at least what am I thinking I'm going to do when I retire at 42? And then building wealth to support that next step and then automating it. So the biggest thing is always to automate everything. You don't want to think about doing things. If your money is coming out of your check automatically and being set aside, you will never miss it Mm -hmm. and it will build over time for yourself. And that even is the same way on on the business side. Like the whole profit first model is automating and setting your things and then just letting it run automatically. You guys are all busy. You're all running around places. You don't think about these things. You don't have time to do it. But if it's all automated and implemented to run in the background, it'll guarantee you success. Yeah. And that's you. I I definitely can't agree more with that. And a lot of times it is just taking that little bit of time to evaluate, make a decision and then take a little bit of action. And I think as you, you, you pointed out, not even just deciding exactly where you want to be, but giving yourself the best guess live, like, Hey, this is where I think I want to be. But if you're starting to take action, at least you've opened doors and at least you've gotten something initiated because a lot of us, I think we do, I I would say drift to other goals as you go along. Like some people may intend to stay till retirement. Some people may see a better opportunity, but if you set something up, if you do have a plan in place, you then can choose to take some of those options or take certain doors as they open. I think that a lot of people, when I'm talking to them about some of these things, feel like they're, if they make a decision and they start putting something in action that they're locked to that decision, oh, well, I don't know if I'm going to stay into this point in time, but but they're not looking at the fact that they're making progress because of something that they've chosen. And normally I feel like the direction you're choosing isn't going to change. You may be your final decisions, your final outcome will, but when you're taking some type of action, other doors will open for you because of that. Then you have more options. Well, and it's constant pivoting, right? Mm -hmm. You have to be able to do that, but at least you have a direction in mind. So as you're starting to move towards something, you may find out, hey, you know what? I thought this was what I wanted, but since I've been testing it out, I learned it's not. And so that gives you the ability to pivot to the next thing. But in the meantime, you're still building the skills. So everything compounds in life, right? They compound positively or negatively. Money compounds and builds wealth, money compounds in debt and becomes a noose that becomes terrible and and you go bankrupt. Same thing with your your health, right? Diet and exercise compound in each direction. Right. You don't change things overnight, but they do change slowly. And you have to figure out which direction you're going and then start doing the compounding. And there's nothing wrong with pivoting. Right. Pivoting is fine. It's okay, right? I mean, you, you guys are all military. You go into battle. Does the plan ever work out the way you started? (laughs) Half the time, the plan doesn't even start the way it started. (laughs) Exactly. And that's okay. So think about the rest of your life the same way. Okay, here's my plan for battle for life. 
maybe it won't start this way or maybe I will I will find something in resistance and I and I will pivot and I will adapt and overcome. Right. Right. And right. do something different. But you at least have to think to begin with. You wouldn't go into battle with no plan, would you? Right. No, I would hope no. not. I would I hope, hope not. <laughs> Right. And there are always surprises and there are always turns. But so these are common. I, I, talk, I like to talk about universal principles mm -hmm. and that's a universal principle. Whatever you're doing, have some sort of a plan and a direction and at least you're moving forward and then pivot as you need to. I like that. Like that, so I'm writing down some notes. Even actually, as we're talking, so we can I can ask questions on some of our calls later. Uh, <laughs> no, but I, I, that is that is huge. And you're you're saying as far as the uh, compounding effect, and we we kind of talk about that in uh, almost every aspect, whether it's business, our personal side, and everything. That all the things that we do can either be you know they do have some type of stacking effect, and if they can be synergistic, or they can just be a stack of things that don't really relate. And obviously, synergistics. Will, a lot better, kind of like the analogy used of working out, you know, like exercise and a diet, then that one plus one is going to be like a three or a four in results, right? Because they kind of work, work together. And I think that that's a huge thing. And uh, when we're doing our financial planning as well, we're finding multiple avenues to get you where you want to go that really work well together. So yeah, I think that's, a, that's a big one. The automated part, one thing that I remember and we've talked about in other episodes as well, is that you do adjust. And you mentioned it uh, a few minutes ago, but you do adjust once you set it and forget it in a sense. Like, you know, once you make a decision, you go into something, whether it's going to be, hey, X amount's going to be allotted to IRA or in the military case, sometimes the TSP is, you know, one of the avenues a lot of people use. I want to purchase this home as an investment property. There's X amount of dollars that's going to cost me per month to accomplish this, whatever the case is. But once you have that automated, you do adjust and you adjust quickly to that extra expenditure or set aside of money. And I think that's something that people, I would say, underestimate their ability to adjust and adapt to that or absorb that cost. And that does compound because as you said, you forget about it. Like once it's going, it just goes in the background and makes you money. Yeah. And so, I mean, I don't know, maybe you can speak a little bit more into that of like we were, you know, like we were saying to me, a lot of the things you once you forget about it, you forget, you don't have to work actively on that investment because it is just going. But at the same time, once you have those systems in place and you absorb that initial like month or two of like, oh, well, this amount of money is going into this now you forget about that as well. Like you absorb that and it's done. And then you just accumulate from that source. You do. And I don't. So I'll be honest. I don't know. Do you know what the average TSP contribution is for military? I don't know now. And especially now they, that there is the, what do they call it? The blended retirement plan. So now the kind of military has gone to that option. And as I was leaving, that had just come online. So I couldn't tell you now what the average would be. Okay. So I, I mean, I did it more from the corporate side uh -huh. and what I basically, what I tell people is start with 1%. Mm -hmm. You are not going to notice 1% in your paycheck. It's such a small amount, you never notice it. Mm -hmm. And then little by little, keep upping the percentage. So, you know, maybe in the beginning, you know, every six months, add an extra percent. Right. When you get a raise, split the raise. So let's say you get a 4% raise or I, what are average raises for military? <laughs> like it depends on the year. Like, well, it's, a, you know, annually it goes up a tiny bit, like, you know, one, one and a half percent sometimes. It's more moving up rank, right? Yeah. And then that just depends on your job position, what your rate is for like officer enlisted. It's a little different and the time frames. it can be a little more, uh, you know, a little slower on each side. So it could be a few years between each one. Um, and then the, uh, uh, I guess the increases are a little bit different too, because your basic pay increases, but which is a kind of a small percentage in the, in the grand scheme of things, but you're also your housing allowance. So there are other things that go with it that increase as well. And so a big part of that is whenever you get a bump in pay, mm -hmm. split it between savings and spending. So you can reward yourself, but you also grow the amount that you're saving. The other thing I used to do is, I would go out and buy a car and have a car loan. When I was done paying off the car loan, I would just add that amount to my savings. Gotcha. And so 
over 10 years, you will end up with a very high savings rate, like 30, 40%. And there's nothing wrong with having, when you have a 30, 40% savings rate, mm-hmm. you build up a stockpile of cash, you you become king because cash is king. You do whatever you want in life, right? You get the ability to say no to anything and everyone. That's, that's, that's pretty, that's huge. That's, uh, it is. I think it's that, no longer. Yes, sir. It's no, sir. I will not do that. Right. Through everything in life. Right. Except for probably your wife or your husband. Uh, then you're kind of stuck there. You got to probably meter yourself a little bit more in that category, but, uh, with the nose, no, that is huge. And, and again, everything about, about this preparation is to give you options and give you that freedom. But again, same as myself, we talk about a lot about my mistakes on here because I, I provide lots of fodder for that and make plenty of mistakes. But it's kind of like uh, what we just were talking about a couple of weeks ago. And that being, what is my end goal and what do I, am I overshooting what I need to do to get there? But I think that that is huge. You do have that uh, once you build up those options, though. So you can say it's not just no to a boss or to anyone else offering things. It's also no, gives you the ability to say no to yourself. No to, do I need to work harder? Do I need to put in a 10 more hours a week or do I need this one extra deal? Or can I say no to that? You can say no to clients on our end. That's a, that's a huge thing. When you get to the point where you can say no to clients that you know are going to be a huge suck to your soul. That's, that is huge. So I, I think that's become one of my newer goals is to make sure I stay in a place where I can always say no if I don't think I'm a fit or want to deal with a certain client. That's phenomenal. Another huge bonus to me. Well, I think we were talking a little bit about uh, that was a huge one of just starting out small and just building it up over time. What about some of the people that are a little bit, let's just say maybe some listeners are a little bit closer to a time of separation from the military or, or even retirement, but let's say they didn't have the opportunity, didn't have the know-how to prepare for as long. So they're really looking at like, Hey, I've got a few years to try to put myself in the best position possible. What, what kind of advice would you say at that point? So if they don't have enough money to support the lifestyle they want, then the first thing is to. Number one, start looking at all of your spending and go through all of your spending and ask yourself, is this making me happy? Is this providing me value or am I just spending it because I'm spending it? Right. Because a lot of times if we don't pay attention, our spending skyrockets. And and the classic example is cell phone bills, Internet bills, um, even housing bills in the sense of, do I get value out of where I'm living or am I overpaying for housing because it's just not worth it, what, what I'm spending on? And, and going through all of your line items and saying, is this worth it? And then figuring out how you can cut costs in every line item. Mm-hmm. So if you're not using something, can you take a lower tier? Can you can you do with less? If you call up half of these vendors and ask them, hey, is there anything you can do with my bill? A lot of them will lower your bill. And there are even services that you can get that you can pay for that will actually negotiate your bills down uh, with different things. Talking to your insurance agent. Hey, do I really need this level of insurance? Is there a better way? And it's just constantly challenging every dollar you're spending and saying, is this the most value for what I'm spending, or is there another way that I could do this? We'll sp- when you have money, right? It doesn't matter how much you make, you spend it all, right? That's right. just what happens. Right. It's lifestyle inflation. And so the opposite of that is to start challenging everything that you spend mm-hmm. and start looking at the bills. Like I, we would do that a lot of times when we went out to eat, I'd go out to eat with the kids. I'm like, that was a $200 meal. Was it worth $200? And, and more often than not, the answer was no. Right. This wasn't worth it. And so we actually stepped way back on spending on food because it was getting a little crazy at times. So just constantly challenging yourself. Right. Is this worth it? And if you're close, then, yeah, you're going to have to cut spending. And you take that that what you cut and you start saving it. So you need you need a why. Right. If, if I say to you, oh, I want to buy this. You need a why for why not to buy that. And that's the piece that's missing for most people. Right. If I buy this, I'm giving up retirement freedom. Right. You have to create that counter to your spending so that people will say, "Okay, I'd really like to buy this stereo or this 
new iPhone or whatever it is you want to buy, then you got to challenge yourself to go, wait, if I buy this new iPhone and it's a thousand dollars, I'm giving up a month of my life in retirement. And is that worth it? Right. And that's got to be the counterbalance because if it's just iPhone, no iPhone, you're going to buy the iPhone. Right. Right. <laughs> right. Just, that's just the way we are as humans. But if it's iPhone and I get my life back and I get time and I have freedom and I can do what I want and say no, that counterbalance helps to really challenge that out. And that's a big part of it. The other thing is people need to talk about money. Mm-hmm. Even couples don't talk about money is have frank and open conversations. I remember when I was younger, it was like everyone would revenge spend on the other spouse. I'm like, are you people nuts? She blew $2,000 and you're going to solve the problem by blowing $2,000 yourself? You're both just revenging each other into the poorhouse. Right. You know, so it's, it's having those open and obvious conversations with each other and Sitting down and doing the math. And there's so many free calculators online. You can plug the numbers in and they will tell you where you're going and how you're going to get there. Yeah, that's that's big with, uh, you know, you're saying about when it, it comes down to a decision of, hey, buy if it's only if it's not about the why or why not, it's only like buy the iPhone or don't. Right. You're going to choose buy it if you have it. That's one of the reasons, you know, originally me reaching out to you is, you know, it kind of goes back to that profit first philosophy. And you did mention that earlier. And the idea of, hey, if you've got if there's $200,000 in your checking account, and you just see that whenever you and this is where I'm super guilty. I, I separate checking accounts but I didn't really have a reason other than like before, Hey, this account covers all my rental property. So that's where the money comes and goes there. That way I know the bills are paid this account, all my recurring bills, you know, whether it's my own mortgage, cell phone, any of those things, all my personal stuff is covered from this. And then, you know, so X amount goes in there as long as those are getting paid cool. And then if you got your personal amount, my, my method of budget was, if ever I swiped a ATM card and it said no, then I knew I'd hit my budget. You know, there was really no system to that. It was just, hey, we'll just keep doing the things I can to, to generate the money. And then they're in these these accounts. Obviously, that is not like really to the first side. But in knowing my mentality, that's why I separate and I put those barriers so I knew bills were paid. But beyond that, it was wasteful. Because when you do have, a, you know, if you open your account and you see, a large sum, you know, a large amount of money, you're like, cool, then you really consciously or subconsciously don't care. Like you will spend, you'll be like, oh, you know what, I, I will go grab this new mountain bike, I knew this or that, because you just don't have any of that pressure. And it's the same on the business account side, when you just see like all the checks going to one pot, and you're going, oh, we can do more marketing, we can do this, that, and you're not paying attention to what it brings you. So I think that's another one that a lot of us fall prey to is just looking and going, oh, everything's cool until it's not. And that's true on the business side. And this is especially true on the business side. Business owners think they can spend away like they, they, business owners think a dollar in revenue equals a dollar in spending. And it doesn't. If you have a dollar in spending, most businesses need 20x to 30, 40x in revenue to spend one additional dollar. And so even if someone comes to you and says, hey, I'm going to 10x the return on this, it's not a high enough return that you should invest in that in that item. And I think people really need to understand that spending and the bottom line is dramatically different than a dollar in income on the, the top line. And I, I, I mean, you think about it, you're all told what your salary is, mm-hmm. but when, when you get your paycheck, it's nowhere near what your salary is, right? All of that stuff already came off. And so you're making a lot less than you think you are. Same thing in business. You've got cost of goods sold. You have all these other things that are going on that are taking money off the top. Right. You really need to understand the bottom line and how much there really is to spend. And I'm not against spending. Mm-hmm. I mean, you can even budget for spending. Say, you know what? Every month we're going to travel. So here's my travel budget. Right. Or we, we love to eat out great. Here's my eating out budget, but do it intentionally and know how much that is and stay within limits. Right. Because we don't limit ourselves naturally. I'm definitely guilty of that. 
for sure. We all are. <laughs> I, I, I'm li- I limit myself on the grocery uh, spending. I try. My new limit is I try to at least go sh- grocery shopping and make one meal a week as opposed to going out, and the rest is going out. So I think I'm. That might be not exactly what you're talking about here. I think I'm a little bit backwards there, but at least <laughs> baby steps, right? That's that one. That one percent savings right there. I think that's what I'm at now. Like I try to make one meal a week at home. Maybe I'll go up to two here here before long but I'll keep chipping away at it. That's awesome too, because that is a good point. And I've been guilty of that one as well, even on the business side of cool, we've got this much coming in and you really don't account for enough of the, uh, what it goes into that. And I think, and it's the same when people see certain jobs or certain salaries when they're before they're into that industry. And that's why sometimes people will reach out like, Oh, I want to get into real estate, whether it's to be an agent, investing, whatever. And I will be like, okay, awesome. Let's talk about it before you jump on it. Because I think it's a great opportunity, but you need to know the realistic cost of, what goes into it, the time it takes to make it successful, the time you have to expend, uh, time you have to spend, but also that people see like a commission, like, oh my God, if I only do this much a year, I'll be here. And it's, it just doesn't work that way. No one really sees all the fees that go into it, the taxes, the marketing, the splits that you still have brokers, you still have, you know, all these things, insurances, all this stuff. And it's like everything else in life that, as you said, that total amount, like if you get a $10,000 commission, that may have actually already been spent already fully on all those backend fees by the time you actually get it. So I think that's something people don't really take a look at and don't, don't see. And, and it's important before, again, before you get into something, because then there's also the other, I, I think, and I'm guilty of this as well. The, the trap that you fall in is that well, I've already invested X amount of time or X amount of money instead of when you recognize something isn't right for you or something that isn't providing for you what you wanted it to provide. Sometimes you have to take that loss. You can't just keep piling it on to buy your way out of it with, you know, by spending time or money to buy your way out of an investment of your own to, uh, you know, I don't know, like buy your way into your happiness or something like that. I, d- I don't know. Like, what's your take on that? You, I think you know what I'm trying to say. I'm probably not saying it well. Every overnight success has 10 years of hard work behind them. Absolutely. And you need to do the hard work and you need to ask yourself, are you willing to do this? And is it something that you will enjoy doing? I think the world has changed from when I was younger. I mean, we were all told you got to go to college. You have to do this. You know, this is the the only way there is forward. Mm-hmm. And I don't think that's true anymore. I think right. there are multiple paths. There's multiple ways. But you have to, it comes back to where we started, right? Decide mm-hmm. what you want in life and then start taking the steps towards it. And then decide, you enjoy what you're doing. I enjoy what I'm doing. If you're not enjoying the journey, there's no happiness at the end. The right. happiness is in the journey. And if you're not a place that you're happy, then make a switch, like figure out what to do differently, but understand success has a price and it's, it's a price that is mostly paid in time. Yeah. Which people really don't value. People don't value time. They value money, but they, they don't put enough value on their time, which is a shame. The younger you are, I think the less you value time, the older you are, the more you become understanding and the value of the time. Right. That's huge. And, and I think we don't always value other people's time either and appreciate when they're giving us time, whether it's, uh, you know, middle of the day to just run down something with us, be a mentor or anything like that. That's huge. That's a huge gift that I think people overlook sometimes, you know, like even on the professional side, when you hear people complain about like, oh, I went to the doctor and it costs X amount, like they don't understand the expense. Like, yeah, it is. It's crazy. But they don't under expand, understand expenses or don't take the time to think about expenses of not just uh, operating expense for the business and insurances and stuff like that, but hourly expense for this person who has spent how much time, not just money, but time and education and then experience. And you're paying for that. If you see someone for 30 minutes and it's, you know, X amount of money, that's because that person has put hundreds of thousands of hours into, into that, uh, you know, being the best at that job and stuff. So it's, uh, I don't know. I think we just all need to recognize the uh, value of other people's time in our life as well, just in all fairness. 
So, uh, and I think in our personal lives too, I, I feel like a lot of my friends, especially now, um, as they get older and, I would say responsibilities don't go down. You know, you gain responsibility, you gain more, more things that suck from your time older. And so when I have someone who takes the time to come visit or to set up time, you know, to meet up for lunch or anything like that, I 100% appreciate that because they're busy too. You know, that's time that they don't get back. So I think all of us should be put a little more value on uh, the time people give us. And that's very true. I mean, you mentioned doctors and most of them probably don't make their first dollar until they're in their 30s. Right. And, you know, that's all they have a ton of obligations, depending on how they went through medical school. Many of those guys come out with half a million dollars in debt. Yeah. So it's it. And they work 60 hours a week on top of that, you know. Right covering all that stuff. So it is a a difficult choice. And that's why, and that's the biggest thing I think, like understand what the sacrifice is and understand what your lifestyle is before you decide to be a doctor or whatever it is that you decide, because you may not, and it comes back to that, you may not want to make that sacrifice and that's perfectly fine. Everyone's got their own desires. Stop following everyone else's desires and figure out your own. And I think that's the biggest thing people don't do. They don't sit down and say, what do I want in life? What makes me happy? Where do I want to go? And I think a lot of times you're caught on the hamster wheel and it's hard to make that decision at 18. And sometimes people make it for you and you don't even realize that somebody made it for you until you wake up one day and go, why am I here? And why am I in this horrible situation? (laughs) Right. Then it's going to take time to undo it. And that's fine. But the more time you can take to be silent and think and, and actually say, is this what I want? The better it is. And it's hard to do that within yourself. A lot of times you need a coach that can get you out of your head and ask you the bigger questions and then hold you accountable when you don't want to answer them because sometimes you don't want to answer the questions. Right. 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 But you need to, if, yeah. if you want that ultimate life, then you've got to spend the time doing it. And if you won't, then you're not going to get the results. Sure. And I, I think uh, also this uh, on the positive side, Right now, like we have so much digital information, we have so much, uh, so many ways to connect with people like yourself, even if we reach out to people we trust and, you know, are, are open to having those conversations like, Hey, I'm struggling with this, or I'm trying to make this decision prior to, or even in the earlier stages. And then you will, you know, you can get connected with people who can give you that unbiased, like just the outside perspective or ask those questions to help you not, um, I guess, feel like you're pot committed to something that's not going to make you happy. We all struggle. Mm-hmm. We all have issues. And Admitting that is the first step. The second step, like you said, reach out to people. You don't have to follow their advice, right? But at least get different perspectives. The more perspectives you can get on a situation, the better. And that's why, I mean, that's one of the reasons I'm in a mastermind group. Well, you know, I got nine guys yelling at me, telling me you're crazy or you're right, or here's some other ways to look at the situation. And they don't always agree with each other, but now I have a a host of answers and I can make a better decision for myself. You you can learn from other people's failures or your own. I'd rather learn from other people's failures (laughs) than my own because it's just easier. But failure is also normal. I think people think failure is bad. It's not. Failure is just means that you're pushing your limits. Right. And that's okay. And so it's it's changing your whole mindset about the way you look at things in life. We're not taught all this stuff. We're you know we go to school and all these things. We're never taught money. We're not taught how to build relationships. We we aren't taught how to build wealth. We aren't taught how to network and improve ourselves. We're always told what to think. We're not taught how to think. And I think that's one of the problems. You have to learn to get out of what society is telling you and figure it out for yourself and take a different direction. Otherwise, you'll end up like everyone else, miserable. Right. (laughs) Right. Well, you're talking about failures, too. Like you do learn from failures. um, But also, I feel like that's when we were talking earlier about pivoting, you know, or any really hitting any roadblocks or or even just self-awareness of like you're not going the direction you want to go. Failures are really just temporary. There aren't really permanent failures. I think that that's that's a huge thing, too. It's only a failure if you 
if you stop when you hit that roadblock or you stop at that failure, um, failures can also just be like kind of a redirection. Like, hey, this particular particular piece of what I'm trying to do did not work out to the level that I want it to. So you make that redirection, you find a better alternate route. Um, so I think that that's a huge thing that I've learned over time is like, I don't think of things of uh, really, you know, I'll say failure, I'll say I failed at this, or I, I didn't do well at this. And those are all true. But you don't fail if you don't stop, in my mm -hmm. opinion, you know, and if and if your goal that you were going towards, and isn't leading you as you're saying, like, when you bring out these questions, and you start looking at, hey, wait, where I'm trying to go isn't where I really want to go. That doesn't mean that the work you've put into that particular directions of failure, you've just actually, it's a success that you've learned, Hey, that's not actually the direction I want to go. I, I, I'll be happier here. So again, to me, not a failure. It's really, I joke sometimes and you, you brought up master masterminds. A lot of people now are stuck on super buzzwords or super, um, these little, little cliche things of like, Oh, don't, you know, Oh, uh, like a negative mindset or like, Oh, if you mentioned failure or that I'm okay with failure, like, Oh, that's just like a negative mindset. You need to only focus on success. But I think that's, I don't, well, first of all, I don't give a shit what people say. So that, that right off the bat, that kind of can, we can sweep that away, but I just don't think that that's the way to look at it either. I think we should collect as many of these so-called failures as we can, because one, we can pass those along as knowledge to other people. And two, that just makes, that's just more of that experience under our belt that will factor into either this decision or one down the road, you know, kind of towards that mastery of whatever it is that we're trying to do. So I hate when people get so upset about failures. I just think that that's just ridiculous to me. But Ruggie, there's like multiple facets to kind of the business you've developed that you've got going on. Cause I reached out to you for one particular thing and then kind of ended up like really utilizing a hybrid of things to help outside of just, just the business. So if you don't mind, could you kind of share with everyone just a couple of those, you know, the different aspects of your business? Sure. Yeah. I'm happy to share. And just before we do that, I just had, um, the fail coach on my podcast. Uh -huh. And he basically says, if, if I haven't failed in three days, I start to get worried because it means I'm not doing something. I'm, I'm taking it too easy and I'm sitting kind of on my laurels. So he actually looks at it as a constant positive. So yeah, with, with regards to the business, it comes back to what we talked about. When I sit down with you, I want to know who is Jay and what does Jay want? Because I can't help you achieve what you want until you know what you want. And we may go build a real estate empire that is wrong for Jay. And he wakes up and he goes, why did I do this? Like, why have I wasted all of this time? So a big part of what I want to know is before I take you to the financial success is what does the end game look like? What do you want in life? What does your life look like? And then how do we build the wealth that essentially fuels that lifestyle? But if you don't know what that that is, then it's difficult. And that's why I ask you all those questions, because I want to understand the whole person. And that's not something that normally happens in life. What I usually find is people have a hammer and so everything's a nail. Well, maybe that's not right. You know, maybe that's not the right solution for you, but we don't know that until we understand you. And I think that's the thing people don't do. They don't figure out at the core what it is that they want. And so a big part of what I want to do is understand you, understand why you want to do this stuff. And then it becomes once you know the why, the how becomes super easy because does this fit with what Jay wants or not? And it, it just makes decisions 10, 10 times easier when you know where you're going. So I, I give you a simple example, right? I want to go on vacation and I want to go to London. Well, now I have a destination. I know I need to get in a plane. Somebody comes along and goes, hey, there's a sale on going to Honolulu. I go, no, I decided I wanted to go to London. I don't need this distraction anymore. This doesn't make sense to me. I know Honolulu is wonderful, but that's not what I'm doing. So it makes it very easy to say no to things. And that's the biggest thing we need to do. I think a lot in life is say no to a lot so we can say yes to what we really want. 
right? It's hell, hell yes or no. So if you're not really doing that, you, you can't do that until you understand where you're going. So that is the core. And then once you know where you're going, then dropping in numbers on spreadsheets is easy. That's the easy part, right? That's the easy part. But I can't do the easy part until you do the hard part. Right. I got to throw out, that's the easy part for you because you know, I struggle <laughs> with the numbers in the spreadsheet, but, but I wholeheartedly get what you're saying. That's a big thing. And I think all of us need to look at that as well. Well, so there was a study and it's called the Harvard grant study and they followed students from Harvard. They started back, I think in the 1920s, these kids were 18, 19 years old. And every 10 years, they were constantly interviewed all the way through to their eighties. And they looked at happiness. That was one of the things like what's going to bring happiness. Is it your upbringing? Is it um, your job? Is it, what is it that, that does that? And the, the number one thing they found was relationships mm -hmm. that had one of the highest correlations. But the other interesting thing that I found in the study is that every 10 years, the people didn't remember what they said 10 years ago, didn't like they were completely different people every 10 years. And so we do evolve and we do change. I mean, you know, look at yourself is the J of today, the same as the J of 10 years ago or the J of 20 years ago? Not even close. Not even close. Yeah. And so it's okay to change an update, but at least you now know what's the J of 10 years going to look like. Okay, let's start moving in that direction. Right. But most people are just sitting there watching TV and, you know, ordering crap and wondering why their life sucks. Yeah. Let them live. They're living, letting their life live them instead of making those decisions. Yeah. themselves. Yeah, so that's sure. a big part of it. And once you know that, then you figure out the money situation. And that's the part I help people with is, is doing the spreadsheets so that you have the ability to do what you want. And then you got to make the choices. Now you have that choice of, Hey, this is what I wanted. Does this fit or does it not fit? And is it taking me closer to where I want it to be? And that becomes a much easier decision. Right. For sure. I agree with that. I'm definitely learning more each from each of our calls, more about myself, honestly, and my goals and what really drives them. Sure. So I have two podcasts. One is called Profit Answer Man. And Profit Answer Man is for the business owner who wants it, it's really for the business owner who can't stand looking at the numbers, who doesn't want to do that part. We, we try and break it down and make it simple and give you ways to make sure you're making better financial decisions without speaking accounting language because you're not accountants. You don't want to be. And I get that. Um, so that's what that one's all about. And then the other one is it's called Richer Soul, Life Beyond Money. You got rich. Now what? And you don't have to be rich to listen to it. It's how do we create harmony in our life? The number one thing what we've been talking about all day is what's our purpose? Where are we going? What are the mindsets that we have? And do we have the right mindsets? People have money mindsets, right? You all have a story around money that that occurred between the time you were probably five and 12. Like, you know, you can hear your parents' voice or some relative's voice or somebody around you planted seeds in, you, in your head about money. So what are all those mindsets, not just with money, but with every part of life? Right. And do we have the right mindsets that serve us today, right? If we're still walking around with a seven-year-old mindset and a 50-year-old body, that's trouble. Right. And so right. you've got to correct those. And then we talk about harmony. So how do you build harmony with your time, your health, your wealth, your relationships? And then how do you connect to this universe? I don't tell people what to believe in spiritually, but we're all somehow connected. Figure out what it is that you want in all these areas and then live in harmony with it. Right. You don't call yourself X, but then not do the tenets of X. Right. Right. That's a big part of it. And so that's those are the types of things that we dig into deep every week and find experts in all those different areas and just help you get a little bit better. You just keep taking one step and that comes back to the compounding. All this stuff ties together, you know, and when you realize that, then you can move forward into your life. And so that one's called Richer Soul. Gotcha. Yeah. And I feel like the, well, both of them, uh, I feel like you're kind of talking to me, but the profit answer, man, we were talking about the people who just don't want to look at the, just don't want to look at the numbers or hate spreadsheets and stuff. So you're definitely, uh, 
yeah, definitely. I feel like you're pointing me out on that one. Thanks, man. I appreciate that. <laughs> you know what, though, Jay? I think people need to realize something. In business, 80% of business owners don't look at their financial reports mm-hmm. because they aren't accountants. It's Don't feel like it's just you. It's right. it's almost all of you are in that boat. It's just not what you love to do. And I get it. Right. Well, good. Good. We're a good team then. <laughs> you, know, you already know all the stuff that I hate. So it's all good. Well, also then you've been uh, kind of like your wife being an accountant, like Dolly, you've brought her on a couple of our calls to help square me away, which I appreciate as well. So I need all the help I can get. So thanks so much for that. Uh, what about, how can people reach out to you if uh, they want to, you know, check out some of your either coaching or any of your business going on there? So Profit Answer Man is the podcast. The website is Profit Comes First. And from the website, you can email me or schedule time with me. Perfect. Whatever works and is easiest for you. Awesome. Well, Rocky, I just want to say thanks for uh, coming on and sharing sharing all this info with us. And uh, thanks for the calls we have, which I think we have one later this week. So I'll be I'll be ready to get uh, be held accountable. So <laughs> appreciate that. And yeah, hopefully we'll have you back on again later on. Maybe we can do a follow-up a little bit later on down the road and I'll have some more questions or more so-called failures of, of mine that you will be able to walk us through as well. That sounds like a plan. I'd be excited to return. And maybe when we do our calls, we should think through and uh, pick out things that you can share back with your audience on uh, your absolutely. weekly call so that you can go, hey, this is what I learned this week. Yeah, so I'm trying to remember to make sure that we uh, we keep track of that. It's sharing yeah. that journey is a big part of it. Yeah, exactly. The setbacks and, and the successes, you know, I think anytime you make one of those pivots or, or f- even just get more clarity on where you're trying to go, I think that's a huge part of the success itself. So absolutely. I need to, actually, that's a good point. I should go through some of my notes from our other calls as well. And I should be doing this on a lot of these aspects. I think a lot of times I don't recognize the kind of material that we could have from some of the stuff, because I'm focused when we get on our call, I'm focused on, all right, cool. Let's dig into my business. Let's dig into why I'm doing this or whatever. But the, that's exactly why I'm doing the podcast. So I should be a little better about taking those notes and recognizing what could be shared, you know, for everyone else as well. The little tidbits that make big differences. Absolutely. Rocky, thanks again. I really appreciate you taking the time out today and absolutely value your time. And yeah, I'll be talking to you later on this week. I'm excited to continue the conversation and it was fun joining you today. Thanks so much for having me. Absolutely. Thanks everybody. Just check out Rocky on those two podcasts, The Profit Answer Man and Richer Soul. And we will be uh, talking to you guys soon.